Hi everybody, welcome to another Parkour Podcast interview. This is Roy. Before we get started with today's episode, just a quick reminder that our Prog Report 10th anniversary t-shirt is still available for sale through the end of June. Uh, so if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't ordered one yet and it is not yet July 1st, uh, you can still get one. Uh, the link to visionmerch.com where we're selling the shirt is up on our website, on our socials everywhere. So please go check it out. Get yourself on before they're out. Uh, and then they are gone. So uh, happy to celebrate this 10th anniversary with you as soon as we wrap it up uh, this month. Uh, my guest on this episode is the legendary drummer for Kansas, Phil Ehart. Had a chance to catch up with Phil and talk about the 50th anniversary tour, the lineup change that recently happened to the band, uh, the band's history, and a whole lot more. It's a great chat. We had a lot of fun on this one, so please check out my chat with Phil Ehart from Kansas. Always through Phil, great to have you on the podcast. Uh, we talked earlier before we started recording that uh, it's been a while since we spoke, but but really happy to have you on here and, and see how things are going with the band. I mean, you guys seem to just be rolling as, as strong as ever, um, but still, there's a lot going on. Uh, you're, you're on the uh, 50th anniversary tour. It's kicked off. Uh, so, I mean, how's that been so far? Well, I think we've had six dates so far. We started in... Uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, work that area up there. And now we're home for a day or so, and then heading back out to the Midwest and uh, Indiana and places like that. It's it's gone really well. It's about a little over a two hour show, you know, fifty years of Kansas music, and it's uh, it's been great. It's been really good. The the fans are are attending it and liking it and commenting on it and. Uh, we're, we feel very fortunate that yeah. we we're able to do something like this. It's a it's a big undertaking for us, for sure. The last uh, few times I've seen the band, I just left just awestruck by uh, just how great you guys still sound. I mean, it's uh, arguably as good as, as the band has ever sounded, I think, right now. Oh, oh definitely. Definitely. We, we feel the same way. It's... Uh, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, we've lost uh, David Ragsdale, our longtime violinist. But um, fortunately... You should point out he's still alive. I just want to make sure. <laughs> oh, no, I just spoke to him yesterday. Yeah. Asked him how he was doing. He was, said uh, he was doing fine and tell everybody hi and stuff. So, but um, we got Joe uh, Denenzon, uh, who has uh, taken his place. And is doing a fantastic job, a fantastic job on violin and guitar. And uh, he jumped right out there and jumped into this two-hour show and just blew everybody away. So it's uh, so yes, we're 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 doing very well. Yeah, very I, well. I'm familiar with Joe uh, from his band Stratospherius and and some other stuff that he's done. He's been definitely on the on on our radar over here. The Prog Report, super talented guy. Um, yeah. good, and, guy uh, good guy too. He's a really good good guy. We've uh, We've all hit it off well. That's great. How uh, how quickly is he notified and has to learn the material? I mean, was this? Did you have some time to for him to to get acquainted with the material? Or, or... yes, yes, we did. Uh, Tom Brennan, uh, Brennan, <laughs> Tom Brislin. Who's Tom Brennan? <laughs> Tom uh, Brislin, our keyboard player, um, uh, jumped in and. Uh, come the music director on this uh, particular tour and helped him 
get up to speed and get all the parts learned and get the recordings of the, you know, the live recordings. So he knew the correct arrangements and uh, Tom was a big help. So, and then uh, Joe showed up and jumped right in and had done his homework and, and it was, uh, it's been, it's been excellent. It's been great. A lot of rehearsing, a lot of rehearsing for all of us because we were doing a lot of songs that we haven't, we haven't played in decades and decades. So we were all kind of reaching back, having to uh, relearn some things we hadn't played in a long time. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things maybe people aren't familiar with, which I had a chance to see uh, when I got to hang out with you guys a few years ago, um, is that you guys still really rehearse before every show really intensely. Um, And I think many people might be surprised at that for a band that's done this for so long and, and is so gifted and knows all these songs. But that's, I think, why you guys still kick ass is because you don't take a day off. Well, it, it is. It, it's rehearsing, but it's also warming up. You know, it's it's the kind of thing you don't want to go out there, uh, whether it's drums, vocals, bass, guitar, whatever your instrument is, you want to go out there warmed up. I mean, any athlete that goes out before the game or whatever, yeah. the match or whatever is... Uh, you know, they're taking the time to warm up and, and we do the same thing, whether it's voices or whatever. And uh, we, we go through as many songs as we can, which is usually nine or 10 songs that we go through. And then we, so when you walk on stage, you're warmed up and you've been playing and you've been singing or whatever. And it, so you're, you're not using the first two or three songs to kind of get up to speed. You, you come out ready to go. And that's, that's how we've looked at it for a long time. So, so yeah, that's, that's why we do it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what uh, was it like picking the songs for the set list, actually? Because you talked about going all the way back through, through all the discography there and pulling out some, some old songs you hadn't played in a while. You know you have about an hour or, or maybe a little bit more of songs you have to play, right? The, the, the hits yeah. and things people know. You can't remove those. So you're left with, I don't know, what, maybe five or ten you can kind of play around with from night to night? Is that how it works? Yeah, well, no, we, we don't really play, we don't really play around with or you know uh, kind of add some on this show and delete some on that. Every show is the same, right? Okay. And what we've learned over the years is that's the only way to really get a show tight is to be able to move from song to song with confidence and to have all your talk breaks worked out so the so the. Uh, the gentleman that's doing the announcing or talking isn't trying to remember what he's supposed to say. You know, it's it's uh, we try to be a well-oiled machine and give the audience a well-oiled concert. And uh, whether it's lighting or the stage setup or whatever we're saying between songs, it's it's all worked out and uh, ahead of time. In fact, we went down to Macon, Georgia and uh, went into a theater there for uh, four or five days and went through the show over and over and over again before we even came out on the road. So we take it seriously. We take our audience seriously. And uh, they're paying good money to see a good show, uh, hopefully a great show. So it, it's something that's important to us. And uh, and we work as hard as we can. When you're, when you're picking some of the tracks, um, is it is it you that says, I think we should play these that we hadn't played in a while? Or, or does everybody throw a, a song into the ring there to see uh, no, how does that no, get chosen? No, there's no ring. 
nobody's thoughts on any songs. I put the song list together as I have for many, many years. And of course, you know, I'll call Rich ahead of time, Rich Williams, and uh, say, hey, man, what do you think of this? And he'll look at it and he'll make a suggestion or, you know, yeah, this looks great, whatever. So when when we go in uh, to lay it out in front of everybody, it's something uh, and, and sometimes people will have a have a better suggestion. This song would work better than that song. And OK, great. So but the majority of the set list is put together by me and then uh, approved through Richard, uh, as we've been doing for many, many years. Yeah. And uh, and then we lay out to the guys and then it's open if they have any comments, which they usually don't. And uh, we go from there. So that's how it happens. Yeah, it seems to be working. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the the new compilation that came out a little while ago, earlier this year, yeah. I think, uh, Another Fork in the Road. Um, yeah. Our good friend Jeff Wagner, uh, who has been on our podcast before and, uh, you know, helped uh, helped you guys kind of putting this together and it's on Inside Out. Um, talk about this undertaking of going back through all the albums and demos and photos and, and putting this thing together. Well, um, it was easy for us for once because uh, uh, Thomas Faber and also Jeff um, were very helpful because they came to me with the idea and it was the kind of thing, I, and I talked to Rich about it and I said, I don't know about you, but I'm too far on the inside to, to try to pick. I said, both Jeff and uh, Thomas are both fans. Uh, they, you know, they're fans of the band. Let's have them choose the songs. And so hopefully it, it would reflect as a fan selection versus a band selection. And they just did a tremendous job. We, we changed one song. I mean, they, they all the songs they picked and they sent to us, Rich and I were going, this is great. This is great. You know, you guys have nailed it. We, we'd like to change one. So they changed one. And that was it. Yeah. That was it. And so we were very pleased. They did all the artwork, uh, which we approved, of course. But that's the easy part is approving it. It's putting it together and and uh, making all the selections. And they did a great job. We were very uh, we're very proud of that. Uh, of, of that, um, I, don't, I guess, compilation is what yeah. you'd call it. And uh, it's it, it's turned out it's turned out great for us. So yeah, it's it's really nice. The the liner notes in there are really cool. A lot of cool photos. Yeah. Uh, the album cover is really cool too. It's kind of oh kinda yeah, that's cool. the like that. we've ever had. You know, and everybody was uh, very pleased. So they couldn't have done a better job. They they really did a bang up job on 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 really making the product. They they made it. They made it happen. Plus they had to go license all those tracks and get them from the other record companies, which weren't which wasn't always easy to do. And um and they put it all together and we've just been really really proud of it. Yeah. So that's uh, another fork in the road. It's out uh everywhere, Amazon. You can also stream it, all that so so definitely check that out. It's out now. Uh, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the, the history of band since since this is really what it's all about, the, the 50th anniversary and everything. I think one of the things that always amazes me, the, the longstanding bands like like yourselves or like Genesis or some of these bands that all happen to be in the same area somehow. I mean, I, I can't imagine the incredible talent and, and guys that all happen to sort of be in the same area that all of us, that somehow you, you look back all these many years later and you go, well, of course they made it. The talent in this band is ridiculous. But at the at the time, did you know? You know, you're you're meeting Rich, you're meeting Steve, and and how? I, I mean, 
how did that happen and how did when did you guys know that this is something well that's a good question it's it's um when, when you do look back, you know, 50 years later, and you look back at those days when we were in local bands together, Topeka was, isn't, wasn't at that time a very large town. It was a town, really. And uh, three or four of us in the original band went to high school together. So we, we, we go back, like Rich and I go back to like when we were 16 and 17 years old. Being in, the, being in the same band. So we've known each other and have played in bands together for a long time. And Topeka, Kansas, wasn't that long on lots and lots of great musicians. I mean, it was it was it was a small town and the musicians that they had. There was only a, a small group for me to choose from in coming back from England and wanting to put a band like this together. It wasn't like I had a hundred people to choose from. And it was, I had the six guys to choose from. And those <laughs> are the guys that, that became the, the original band. But um, uh, it, it, yeah, it, lots of times I look back at this, at the story and Kansas at times really was the band that never should have made it because where we were located, uh, the lack of, uh, record companies to talk to, any music business people to draw on. We were by ourselves. Yeah. We we're totally by ourselves. When we went to New York City to record our first album, we didn't even have any road crew. We didn't even have a road manager. It was just the six of us that showed up at, at the airport and they picked us up and took us to the record plant there in New York to record. And we used rented gear. I mean, we didn't even bring our own equipment. Because we couldn't afford it, you know. So it's it's the kind of thing that there was a lot of things that we could have tripped over and sure. not gotten up. You know, it would have finished us for sure. But uh, the idea uh, that when you know the record company executive came to hear us and we were sitting there talking, well, what are we going to do for an audience? The, the, nobody comes to see us. So this record company guy from Don Kirshner, Wally Gold was his name, was going to walk into our gig and there wasn't going to be anybody there, just us. You know, so we didn't really want that kind of uh, first impression. So we gave away free beer and we just loaded up on lots of beer and announced that it would be free beer and people <laughs> from all over the place. So when Wally walked in, the place was jumping. Everybody was drunk, having a great time, except the band. And... Uh, and that's how we got our got our. So any one of those things could have fallen apart. Right. But I didn't really get the right guys for the. Uh, I couldn't have gotten better people to be in the band. They were. It was just an awesome uh, band and very talented. And have the, and have Carrie step in and, and help Steve and start doing all the stuff, writing material. Steve and Carrie wrote a lot of the stuff, and uh, either one of those guys hadn't have been there, we, we wouldn't have had the material. That's, the, that's uh, yeah. the thing that blows my mind. It's, you know, yeah. it, it, it's sort of meant to be at some, you, when you think it, about it. it it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and has continued, you know, so it's any one of those things could have kept the band from succeeding or even being signed or whatever. But uh, um, that's that's how I look back at it. It could have it was the band that really shouldn't have been. But yeah. we were very fortunate that certain things fell into place. And I, I'm sure that happens to other bands, too, that have have a career. Look back and look at the things that all fell into place that helped them succeed, too. So we're uh, and, and we're still here today. So that's um, that's 
that's a lot of good fortune also. It's a lot Yeah. of good fortune. I mean, once you guys make it, uh, you know, you have the big hits, Left Overture and, and Point of Return, and you guys are just selling millions of records and all that. Um, how did then the, sh the focus shift for you guys at all in, in terms of, okay, now people know who we are, we're, we have hits and, and record sales and all of that. How do we keep this up, right? I mean, how, how did... How did that change for the band versus, you know, you, the, when you're starting, it's one view and, and one approach you take. And then all of a sudden now, what do we do now? Now we're famous. How do we keep this going? I mean, how, how did that shift for you guys? Well, there's a lot of things that, that caused the shift to happen. One was money. Okay, for many years, the guys in Kansas lived on a dollar a day. We got one, each guy got one dollar a day. And, and that's what you eat on, or if you smoke cigarettes, that's where you get your cigarette, <laughs> or if you drink or whatever, you get a buck. wow, Good that's luck. crazy. I hope, you know, hope it works out for you. Because that's all we could afford. We, we were playing, you know, small Yeah. uh, clubs and stuff in Kansas, which are limited to begin with. Or we'd play a high school prom or a fraternity. You know, we played wherever we could to keep the band uh, in, in money so people could eat or in a band house where we could live. It was uh, it was very basic, very, very bas
that were over in the in the states touring. So we never stopped. It it wasn't anything. Okay, we've made it. You know, we've got a record. Okay, let's let's go count our money. Well, here's your dollar, <laughs> and, and 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 that was that was a lot of it. You know, so um, it is not like we were being tortured. I mean, nobody was twisting our arm. We were there because we wanted to be, but that those were the kind of breaks that we were given. They were very small and something that we had to cultivate to turn those, those breaks into, you know, success. And that was, that was a long haul, you know? And so no complaints, not whining, just you wanted to know how yeah, it happened. That's, that's how you make it. Yeah. That's, that's how it happened. And we just never stopped working. And, uh, and finally, we uh, recorded the first record that had Can I Tell You on it. And that had a lot of success across the country. And our album started to sell. We went to the second album, the third, and boom, we hit Left Overture with Carry On Wayward Son. And that's where it took off from there. But it was three or four albums before we even, you know, got sandwich meat backstage. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. We made it. We got sandwich meat. Yeah, yeah, we, we're we're huge. <laughs> well, we were we were playing with Jay Giles Band. We opened for the Jay Giles Band uh, up in Omaha, and we walked into our dressing room, and there was a a deli platter. But we had we had never gotten a deli platter. So we, <laughs> we figured it was for Jay Giles, and so we're just kind of sitting there looking at it. Nobody was touching it or anything. Um, and finally, uh, some crew guy came in or something, made a sandwich and left, and we said. Dude, what? Well, we didn't say dude because nobody was saying dude back then. But hey, what? What's with? Uh, is can we have some of this? And the guy goes, have some of that. That's for you. It, that's ours. Yeah, <laughs> we hit that like a feeding frenzy. You know, I remember Steve opening up his little carry bag that he had. He was stuffing food in there. He oh was going to take it with him back home. You know, well, it, it it sure beat the hell out of a dollar a day. I'll tell you that. You know, but. But that's uh, that was the beginning of touring with other bands, and that really got us out of the dollar a day situation eventually. And uh, so, yeah, I could go on for another hour. But yeah, that, no, that, that's a that's an amazing story. Um, I want to jump a little bit because because yeah, I always loved this era of the band as brief as it was, and 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 Power is one of my favorite records from you guys. But that period uh -huh. working with Steve Morse. Um, Oh, yeah. You know, what What was that like? And, and talk about uh, the decision to have him come on board. And it certainly changed the sound of the band for a minute, a little bit. Um, but that's yeah. a great record, and, and it did find some success. So I, I'm just curious yeah. about working with Steve and how that happened. Yeah, we did two albums with him. We did Power. We also did In the Spirit of Things. And it was the kind of thing that um, I ran into Steve at a... Uh, Honey Drippers, a Robert Plant concert in Atlanta. And we were looking for a guitar player and he had heard that and he came up to, and we knew Steve from the Dixie Dregs because sure. the uh, Dregs had opened for us for a lot. And and Steve lived in the area, so he was kind of a local boy for us. But um, he said, I hear you're looking for a guitar player. And I said, yeah, we are. Then he goes, well, um, I'd like to audition for the band. And I said, I said, I don't even have to check with the guys. <laughs> you don't have to audition. If you, you know, you come to practice in a couple of days and let's see how we feel about each other and how you fit in with the songs and how you feel about, you know, us fitting into you. 
and uh, see how it goes. So yeah, he came over to my house down in the basement. We had some stuff set up and we, and uh, Steve Walsh had brought Billy Greer at that particular time too. So it was the kind of thing that we tried both of them. The band was just awesome and remained awesome. And to this day, that's some of our favorite material that we've ever played and it's uh, or written or been a part of. So um, it, it's very special to us, those two records, especially, you know, in the spirit of things, which was a pretty much a concept record, uh, which was also produced by Bob Ezrin, uh, who had done Pink Floyd and Peter Gabriel and all. So we couldn't have a better guy sitting there at the, at the control console. But yeah, that was um, that was a good time. That was a yeah. good time. I, well, I mean, I'm a huge uh, Steve fan. Just one of the best oh. guitar players in the world, I think. And oh, God. Just, just <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was player. a time on every gig that we played with him where he would play, he would have his own solo with echo units and all kinds of stuff. And we would just sit there or stand there and just go, this is unbelievable that this guy can really be almost an entire band himself. And... Uh, and of course, with Steve singing and Rich on guitar, it was the first, really first band that we had had, uh, uh, other than, you know, no, it was the first band we had without a, a violin. Robbie was not at the, in the band at the time, so yeah. uh, it was weird not having a violin, but Steve more than filled, filled the void. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another big transition, uh, of course, was bringing in Ronnie Platt a few yeah. years ago and... and uh, oh. He's just been an awesome uh, frontman for you guys. Amazing singer, yeah. a super nice guy. I had a chance to speak with him a few times. Just the nicest guy. Um, yeah. You know, talk about discovering people, uh, discovering Ronnie. I mean, for people who aren't familiar with the story, um, you know, and 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 how he's fit in so well. Well, um, it was it was a tough time losing Steve Walsh. Uh, you know, I, I can't talk about Ronnie without talking about Steve. And, and and how he finally left the band on his own uh, volition. And, and it was tough. And it was tough. And, and, and when you talk about the talent of these guys and what this original band had, they're not easy, easily replaceable. You know, <laughs> okay, let's get another Steve Walsh. Well, right. <laughs> yeah, good luck on that. Yeah, one well, of the best voices ever in, in rock. Ever, ever in rock and roll. So, you know, Ronnie came along and I had heard some demos and saw some videos and stuff. And I told Rich, I said, the main thing we need to do is just see if this guy's going to fit in. To begin with, he's from the Midwest, so that's a good start. But uh, we met with him at the airport and sat and talked. And I, as we walked out, I said, he said, well, what's next? And I said, I want to hear you sing. And when you come, I want you to uh, be prepared to sing The Wall. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah, I want to hear you sing The Wall. And uh, and he said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, I'll let you know after I hear you sing The Wall. And 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 he did a great job. And he's continued to do a great job. And we're uh, very, uh, very fortunate to find someone like him who fits in so well and is such a band guy and uh, such a great voice and such a hard worker. He's a very, very hard worker. So it was um, it was a shifting of gears. He never came up to me and said, you know, I'm going to sing just like Steve Walsh. Well, he's not that dumb. He, he knows that he has a very good voice. Steve had a very good voice, but they were different voices. But Ronnie's was similar enough that it wasn't so different that it was a uh, 
it was a real leap for the fans. The fans accepted him quickly. And uh, they were happy to have a guy back that could uh, uh, nail the songs and do it, what had to be had to be done. And he did it, and he's still doing it. He's still doing a great job. So, uh, yeah, that's how it happened. Yeah, he's been he's been great, and and it is true. I mean, you don't see a lot of pushback from the fans, at least that I I've seen from from the you know replacing of people uh, yeah. in out of the lineup over the years, because I think you guys have have found a way still to remain true to what Kansas is. And I think people get that, you know, and they're happy to see the band play in whatever yeah. form. So yeah, I, I agree. Thanks. Yeah. I agree. Um, I want to give one shout out uh, before I let you go here to the last record you guys did, uh, The Absence of Presence, which I thought was just incredible. It's a phenomenal record. Uh, super proggy at times. I mean, a lot of great playing. Um talk about that album a little bit and and uh it's it's been out now a couple of years but uh, i know you guys still play throwing mountains which is a a, a very cool song live um sure. and i think it's one that if people haven't checked it out yet i highly recommend it it's, it's fantastic but talk about just uh you know your your memories of making that album a few years ago well i gotta give credit where credit is due on that record and that's sacristy Sure. And for those of you that aren't aware, was a member of the band for a couple of albums that we did on Inside Out. And uh, and what he showed up with, and of course you have to add the addition of Tom Brislin, who had a lot to do with the lyrics and 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 uh, Zach had a lot to do with writing the music. And, and Tom uh, uh, also had a couple of really good songs on that that he had written. So you had that one-two punch that um, that we hadn't had previously, and of course the band was smoking at the time, playing playing great. So it was a fun record, but we knew as soon as we started recording it, this was something special. This was not your typical Kansas album that we made without the original band. This is the kind of album that the original band made. And it was the kind of thing that once these guys started writing this stuff, and once we started recording it, we knew we had a winner. And um, so that was um, that was an exciting time. It was an yeah. exciting time only to kind of be, you know, kind of moved into an area of losing Zach because he moved on to recording his, at his own studio with other bands and working in other things that he wanted to do. And that we understood but we lost Zach. And that's where the majority of that album musically came from. And um, so it, it had, you know, it has a real positive ring, but it, it had, it was kind of melancholy on the backside because we we didn't get to move on to another. And doesn't mean we won't maybe someday record another record, but uh, it was, that was one hell of a record. I agree. Yeah, and one hell was. of an album cover, one hell of an album cover. And and I'll just leave the album cover at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good well, place for us to to stop here. Uh, uh, good uh, catching up with you, Phil, and uh, glad to see you're back uh, back playing. I know you had a, a little bit of a of a of an injury there a little bit, and um, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the band uh, very soon uh, when you guys come my way again and uh, and reconnect. Well, come back but and come back and say hi. Yeah, I, I will definitely do that. Uh, again, catch uh, the band uh, on their, uh, what's another Fork in the Road 50th anniversary tour, uh, kansasband.com, I believe is the website for 
any any tour info yeah, and it's, uh, uh com. Yep, and uh, all their socials. They're they're sharing great stuff all the time. Phil, yeah. uh, be well, my friend, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Roy. Thanks again, man. Appreciate right, it. Buddy. See you. Bye. Thanks to Phil for the interview. Don't forget to visit kansasband.com for everything on their current tour and everything else going on with the band. We're going to close with a bit from their last album, The Absence of Presence. For upcoming news, interviews, reviews, and more, visit parkpart.com, follow us on our socials, and wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. <laughs>